Well, good morning. So I, uh, I heard a laugh. I wish that um, I had like an instant feedback polling thing where when, at the end of that video that we just watched, that what were your thoughts? Um, I've actually jumped in on some of these other videos in prior weeks, so I wonder, what did you notice about this video that was, um, and I'm, I'm, you're going to see that I'm going a little bit interactive. Anybody have a thought that they're willing to share, or what you noticed? Silence. Silence. That's right. Yeah. You know, and what each, each one of them made me smile, because I, I feel like that it captured something that's common to all of us. That apprehension and hesitation that we have when we're, you know, about revealing ourselves, that vulnerability that's there, you know, to find the right words or speak, like if I have cheese on myself or will I be stupid, um, will I be misunderstood uh, or even rejected, or, you know, will I be received and affirmed? Uh, and for me, that also, they also captured uh, the, the need and the possibility for connection, to be seen and known, coupled with the tension, is it safe? Now, in my imagination, I can picture myself uh, beside a fire and looking into the flame. And anybody else can kind of put yourself right there in that crackling wood. And then, can you smell the smoke? And, and, and when I sit by a fire and look into those flames, the thing that I notice is that, that there's a, like a stillness that comes on me because I'm, you know, I'm looking at the flames dancing um, in front of me. And so me sitting by the fire is a powerful image of worship. The flame represents the presence of God in our midst. And, I, and another really strong name for me is eternal listener, the eternal listener. And we are invited to sit together in the warmth and the light. And worship is one gathering where we're not spectators. The flame, we bring ourselves to that flame. We bring ourselves into the room and we participate as we lift our voices, as we stretch out our hands, notice who's wo uh, worshiping with us. We welcome and we seek and we partake of God together. God is here, we are here. God is ready, are we ready? So this morning, I'm going to add a couple of pieces uh, to the listening therapy drama that uh, you've been in series. The importance of silence and solitude and stillness for listening. Some easy practices, um, experiences that we're going to do together to help us find stillness. Remember, this isn't a spectator sport. And also the why of listening companionship and why it's so important. But just to give you a heads up, Adam mentioned I'm a Quaker tradition, and um, I'm going to use a Quaker story about listening and sensing God's presence that we, work with, we use with our children. And because what I've discovered is that children are much more perceptive about God's presence because they haven't... Um, 
yet learned not to listen. I have a, I make a practice of reading children's books and the kind of children's books that have like maybe two or three words on them and then are all pictures because there's a lot of words in our, um, that we have in our culture. And for me, I'm a, I'm a student and a professor in this sense of so many words, but just that it helps me imagine. Um, and that's what I'm, because uh, children are curious and they're expectant, you know, and they're playful and, and imaginative, and they're all so messy. It's acceptable to color outside the lines in the moment. And they are seldom distracted by time. You know, the worries of the past or what's going to happen in the next five minutes or 15 minutes. So they are where they are in the present moment without criticism or shame. And so that's what I'm hoping, that during this story, that you will allow yourself to be childlike again. I'm not meaning, don't hear me say childish so that you're looking towards the exit doors right now, but just childlike with being able to be present in the moment of that story. And then, um, in addition, Quaker have this um, love-hate relationship, I guess I should say, with silence. In fact, the worship service, it's called an unprogram that I attend, uh, is an hour of silence, where we sit together in a circle, and uh, maybe people will speak out of the silence or not. But that's kind of, you know, does that feel a little threatening? We're not doing that today. I just wanted to let you know that, so that's not going to happen. But... What we are, what I do want to do is open up space, um, a a space of silence um, for you uh, that you can begin to, um, what does it feel like? Is there a word that forms or an image or something like that? So that we're, it's that letting go to partake of God's presence um, in the midst. So, and I also wanted you to um, expect that uh, as soon as we go into silence, your brain will start working. There will probably be to-do lists. You'll be thinking about where you're going to go to lunch and maybe even what are you going to be doing for the whole next week. Um, And I want to reassure you that that is absolutely so normal that they have a name for it. It's called monkey mind. (laughs) So when the monkey arrives, I just would, would accept that as this invitation to return and your, your attention to your breath, which is one of the exercises we're going to practice together this morning, or maybe just that image of the flame. And in addition, I've provided a, a slide with a couple of questions, if that helps. So God is here. We're here. God is ready, and we're ready. So a picture is worth a thousand words. And this is an artist's rendition of Haystack Rock and Cannon Beach in Oregon. And when the low tide goes out, you can see the reflection of the rock. But this artist that did this um, is a 90-year-old man. And what I like about it is that um, if you turn it over, which you can see on the slides behind you, is that there is a lot going on underneath. And I feel like that this is a representation of... We have, a, we have that self that we project, that we allow others to see, that's on the outside. But there are a lot of questions and a lot of parts of ourself that are un, underneath the surface. 
They might be questioning. They may be you know, the sense of, is it safe? Um, but so we're going to recognize that in that silence and stillness, it does provide us that opportunity to just go a little bit deeper. But first, you know, we're going to bump up against that, that tension, just like we mentioned in the fireside videos, is, again, is it safe? How do I do it? And do I want to go there? So just at the risk of getting a little bit nerdy, um, I hang out with doctor of psychology students in their program, is that our brain is actually biased for danger. It's like Velcro. It only takes an eighth of a second for our brain to register what would be a supposed danger or difficulty. And that, you know, it was there for a good reason. It helped us survive. Um, and it still helps us survive today. But we have a lot few, fewer things that we needed to survive um, for today than we did when we were um, thousands of years ago. And we have, so while we have Velcro for danger and difficulty, we have like Teflon for joyful and safe and the good stuff. Because, and if you don't take hold of it, it just kind of blows by. So to counteract our survival danger mode, Velcro, we need at least 12 seconds of something safe or joyful. Pay attention for 12 seconds to linger in our experience to rewire our neuropathways. And for some that are recovering from trauma, there's a lot of unsafe feelings. So just to kind of a snapshot of that. And then one more nerdy thing is that uh, quantum physics has revealed in the very smallest particles of all matter, we all share that same matter, there is a space and energy in the thin spaces, I'm going to have him, yeah, the thin spaces um, that holds everything together. So we're connected by a force field of energy. And I'd, I'd like to suggest just for our purposes that this dynamic of energy is love. The original blessing God spoke five times about creation. Good, 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 good. And the sixth time, very good to humankind. So we and all creation is held in a force field of love. We are the beloved of God. So listening practice helps us mind the gap. And I have to say that after I said that to Kate and she told me that it's used in London to warn folks when the, when the subway's coming in is to mind the gap. So, this is somewhat a critical warning that we need to pay attention um, because many times we must let go of the God we have created to find the God who created us and has been there all along. In fact, we sing uh, this morning, you are with us now, you have always been. When we are found without you are found within. Help, uh, help me let you go. Help me let you go. Help me give up control. Because letting go of control is courageous work. 
And the thing that I've observed in spiritual conversations is we often talk about God, but we find it really difficult to talk about an experience of God. And it is that gap, that experience of God, that I'm asking us to narrow. And this is that's really why I'm passionate about hosting spiritual conversations. And by this, I mean the conversations that all humans have about why am I here and my purpose, you know, what's, what's life about, what am I supposed to do, and what about suffering and death? How do we make, how do we make sense of all that? So those, I would suggest, are those, some of those deeper questions, those deeper, deep, deeper movements beneath the surface. When we wake up in the middle of the night and we find ourselves in that threshold of a doorway where the normal and familiar is disappearing and the new has not yet arrived. And some describe suffering as any time that we have to give up control. And those create thin spaces. Again, Thinking about the song we sang, that the, the quality of these thin spaces is when the way is unclear and the answers elusive. We've sought the truth when we've felt the pain. We cannot pretend we're always okay. So help me let you go. Help me let give up control of the God I have made you when my fear has contained you. But there's a flip side, isn't there? Because there's also those feelings and experiences of goodness and awe, like when you go up, when you look out at a, a sunrise or you look up into the stars in the sky at night. There's this exquisite beauty in this rush of awe. Like you see snowflakes falling, which I understand you've had a lot of snowflakes around here. And it's that joy of shared laughter and, and, and sharing a meal at a table or playing with a child. And that deep connection, even with a pet, it, it just, something opens inside of us. Again, a thin, thin space. And so it's in the thin space when we come close to God and God comes close to us that I want to invite you to consider and to pay attention to. We live in a noisy culture and it's cluttered and we're often more apt to find ourselves as human doings rather than human beings. So if we don't pay attention, we will reflect the Beatles song that we sang, nowhere man living in a nowhere land with nowhere plans for nobody. So we don't want that. So Practice listening is what I'm inviting to. But I also want to make sure that I dispel any misconceptions that you have of me. And I also know that confession is good for the soul. That um, I often do not pay attention. I think um, Adam has confessed that he's a type A go-getter. Is that, does that ring true for folks out here? That he's, yeah. So I have to confess that I'm also um, bring that kind of go-getting, and I'm a chronic multitasker. So I can quickly get wrapped up into the doings. And actually, I wear an Apple Watch, um, and not 
because it helps remind me of um, the time, but because it helps remind me to stand up and to breathe and to close my exercise rings. And I'm always a little frustrated at nine o'clock at night when the little vibration on my arm and it says, if you would just go outside and take a a brisk walk for 13 minutes, you would close your exercise ring. But what I've learned is through that is that I'm more than just a mind, like, you know, mind over matter thing. I'm actually an embodied person. And I need to pay attention uh, to my body because it's a great source of, of insight and of wisdom. So the other thing is that um, I love about my, uh, why I wear an Apple Watch is that um, it pings my uh, cell phone where all of my life exists, and um, then I can find it, and I lose it numerous times a day. So is that familiar, anybody know what that ping sounds like? Yeah. And also, I just wish that my glasses had the same, it would help me find my glasses, but so far, that hasn't, ha- that hasn't happened. So all this to say, I am not a natural bee stiller. So maybe there's some of you in the room that can identify with that. So. We always are a beginner when it comes to stillness and listening. Just like one practices an instrument, or if you're in a sport, you run the same play over and over, you throw the ball over and over, so that in that training, it becomes more familiar, and it lays down um, kind of a tract and what it feels like. So I'm just going to suggest two simple practices that have really helped me. Again, remembering that worship is in this, uh, invites us to participate. So um, behind me there is a, um, the image of a burning bush, and I'm pretty sure that many of you are familiar with that, but that's Moses in, um, noticed far off this burning bush in the desert and decided to kind of step aside and be aware and um, explore. So and in the process of doing that, God spoke and told Moses some things he wanted him to do. And Moses at the end said, well, all right, so you want me to go, so, but who would I say has sent me? Who are you? He asked him to God to identify himself. And it was, I, it was Yahweh, is how we'd say it in Hebrew, but it was such a sacred word that it was never spoken by um, the Israelites. Um, so it is I am, but that is So it's, it's really our breath. So I'm going to just invite us to, to help re, us remind, remember that God is as close as our very breath. That if you would take in a deep breath and then hold it and we'll release it together. Ready? Do it again. So returning to our breath helps still us. Can you feel a difference? And it's like breathe in love. Expend love. And there's also some guidance from the devotional literature of the ancient Hebrews, the book of Psalms. And the, and the scripture is, be still and know I am 
be still and know, because we can't always control our outer world. But again, the invitation is that we can return to a stillness inside. So what does the be still feel like, and why is it important? So I've got some um, jars. Next slide. There. So what does the inner stillness feel like? So this feels to me like this representation is, you know how when you first start, maybe it's, there's a lot of clutter, a lot of stuff in the way, and as you breathe in or as that stillness happens, you can see how there's greater sense of, of clarity, some perspective maybe that will come. Maybe that you can suspend that past, future bind that we find ourselves in and just be present in that moment. So one more time, I'm going to just invite us to um, um, that breathe in because the be still and know. And that know isn't talking about it, it's the experience of it. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to experience what it means to be present here in the moment. So again. That sense of oneness. Be still and know I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. That song we sang, there's no heart unseen, there's no space between. You're closer than the very oxygen I'm breathing in. I breathe you in, you are God with us. Emmanuel. So listening is important because it gives us that experience of God's presence in us and among us, that oneness. God is our eternal listener. And I hope that over time you can recognize that, the importance of that stillness for you and give others permission as well to set aside that time or to encourage that practice of listening. So I've got two stories that we're going to finish with. There once was a man who did such amazing things that crowds of people followed him. He spoke of a kingdom, a reign of God, God's presence. But this kingdom was not like any kingdom that the crowds had ever known. There was no palace no armies, no concentrated wealth. This man was born in a stable, grew up in an obscure village. He's one of the common folk. This man, Jesus, spoke of a relationship with God, Abba. He, as a beloved son, God as a parent. He embodied the kingdom the kingdom of all humankind. 
He recognized a kinship and embraced others as friends and as children of God. And his attention focused on the margins, the edges of the crowd, basically the misfits, those who were far off or isolated, left out and broken. And in the language of his day, that would have been the poor, the sick, the deaf or the the blind, the unclean leper, a ministrating woman, an invisible child. It would even included an enemy, the Roman centurion. He healed his daughter. Or the detested Samaritan or the needy Gentile on the other side of the lake. This man, Jesus, ate with and listened to the spoken and unspoken cries. He suffered with and did not turn away. Jesus made visible, put flesh and bones on the invisible presence of God, the eternal listener. God's compassion and and self-emptying an intimate connection with all creation. Jesus reflected the possibility of divine encounter and showed us what it would look like and what it would feel like. God's heart for intimate connection and generosity. A kingdom, but a kingdom of connection beyond borders and labels, and prevailing social constructs. So we suffer with and do not turn away. So why do we listen? We practice listening to see beneath the surface, to reconnect with God's compassion and forces of generosity and goodness, the restoration, the restoration of love of God's kingdom on earth. And we join God where God already is, already at work, remembering our kinship together and with all creation. So we practice listening. Here's the, so put on your childlike wonder God is never far away. God's spirit is always as close as our very breath. But if we don't stop and listen, we may not notice. So we practice listening. We listen with our whole selves, with our bodies, with our minds, with our hearts, with our imagination, our very soul. And sometimes God touches that deep, deep place in me that I call the heart, that we call the heart, a place where God is at home in me, at home in us, and we are at home in God. And we feel the Spirit's presence there. We say, here I am, God. Then the Spirit helps us remember we are beloved and know how to love, what to do, and who to be. So we practice 
listening. We listen with our whole selves. Sometimes God touches us through another person. That of God in me recognizes that of God in you. And together we say, welcome God. And the Spirit helps us remember we are beloved and know how to love, what to do, and who to be. We practice. We practice listening with our whole selves. And sometimes God touches us through the gifts of creation, the gift of the day and night and the sun and the moon and the stars, the gift of water and sky, the gift of dry land and rocks and mountains and green and growing things, the gift of creatures that fly in the air and the creatures that swim in the sea, the creatures that walk on two legs, like you and I, and the creatures that walk on many legs. And God announced five times, good, 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 and a final time, our original blessing, very good. So the order of creation, creation invites us to pause and remember our connection to each other in all of creation and to be thankful for these gifts. So we practice listening. We listen with our whole selves. And sometimes God touches us through our senses, with our eyes, through our eyes, with our ears, through our nose, bitterness of salt. through our flesh, our skin. We feel the Spirit's presence, and we say, welcome, God. And the Spirit helps us remember we are beloved and know how to love, what to do, and who to be. We practice listening. We listen with our whole selves. And sometimes God touches us through sacred story, the scriptures, God in our hearts works together with the words of the stories and we recognize God's presence, the Spirit's presence. These are the ancient stories about the people that came close to God and God close to them in the desert. They're also the stories of, of Jesus and the parables, which are gifts to us. And they may also be the stories of God's people in of any time or any place who have lived in faith and love and holy obedience. And the Spirit can come to us in words like poetry, in words of a song, also in artistic expression. So we welcome these stories in words, in music, in art, and the Spirit helps us remember we are beloved and know how to love, what to do, and who to be. So we practice listening. And sometimes it seems that there isn't, that it is dark and there isn't anything that God is absent. But then, and especially then, we practice listening. And the Spirit helps us remember that we are beloved and know how to love, what to do, and who to be. And sometimes God touches us um, in a, the community gathered for worship 
or for service. God touches hearts, hearts touch hearts, and the Spirit helps us see that of God in each other. And God is present in a special way. And we say, welcome, God. We will be your hands and your feet, your eyes and your ears in the world. We will join you there. We gather and we scatter. And wherever we are, we practice listening, and God can come to us in many different ways. So we listen with our whole selves, our bodies, our minds, our hearts, our imagination, our very soul. And the Spirit reminds us that we're beloved and know how to love, what to do, and who to be. So I'm going to invite the musicians to come forward. And we are going to enter into our, a time of silent communion. So I just invite you to settle yourself in your seat, maybe feel your feet on the floor, and let's breathe in Yahweh response, and then there will be some questions. It'll be a couple minutes, okay? Let's breathe in. I'd invite you to let the final words of this song be your response this morning. Hey, good morning. It's great to see you. Uh, if you're a guest with us or Still trying to understand and narrate. Uh, we, we value gathering and scattering. Uh, we, we, we still find uh, gatherings like this helpful and hopefully in the way that it provokes conversation between you and, and others and you and God. And, and so our hope is that this, is, this adds value to, to your life and your relationships in every direction. And then we value serving people together. Uh, from the very beginning, what we've said is if a bunch of people are going to get together under the banner of Jesus, then, then other people not connected ought to benefit from that. And so we've, we've said this lots and lots of ways, but really what it amounts to is we want to be the kind of place where uh, the most uh, ardent critic of Jesus or most suspicious person toward God would be bummed if we cease to exist. Maybe not because they came to agree with our thinking about God, 
uh, but because they came to understand the, the, the tangible value we brought to local community, and that's always been a value of ours. And so thank you for your participation in that. Uh, you, know, you know, the scattering thing is something that it takes on lots of forms, and we're coming into this season where we have Easter and an, a race and an egg hunt and then three gatherings on Sunday, and then we move quickly into this ales thing that we do. And Hannah does a lot of the heavy lifting of getting you plugged in as volunteers and owners and, and at the same time kind of promoting the opportunities. <clears throat> this morning, I, I get to just say thanks. Uh, what, what she's telling us and the staff is that uh, almost all the needs, you know, there's a few exceptions because life stuff happens and people are shifting, but uh, all the needs for the for the race on Saturday the 20th, as well as the egg hunt for the 20th, and then everything that involves us doing three gatherings on Easter, both with setup and teardown and the billion gallons of coffee that we'll brew and the choir and the band and tech and nursery and kids and hospitality and all of that. Uh, you've all stepped into those needs. So thank you. And just, you know, we, we were often doing a lot of asking and it just felt appropriate this morning to just go like, thanks. It's, you know, we've kind of strategically created this in such a way that at, at the point at which we can't find someone to run a vacuum at six o'clock on Sunday morning or, or, or play the drums or those types of things, like we've just kind of went like, then that'll be the first sign to us that uh, God is using a different people in this next season because we've always wanted to be a community of owners it's never been really a threat thing, but just to like, this is the way we see ourselves. And to me, it's always v very, very encouraging when we get to these seasons where we're going to use literally uh, well over 100 people on a given weekend to know that those needs are met. So thank you for being a part of that. And, and also thanks for those of you who are a part of that and making all that possible through your giving. I mean, obviously the way we gather and scatter, it, it, has, a, it has a cost associated to it. And Many of you were bought into that cost through your, your budget and your regular giving and just wanted to say thank you uh, for being a part of that with us as well. And then same with Ailes. You know, we haven't talked a lot about Ailes. We wait to get through Easter to talk about it, but we get to host this community-wide festival, which is led by a consortium of community players, many of whom aren't connected to Narrate. Uh, but, but part of what makes Ailes possible are business and corporate sponsorships and you know, that, that's, that, that's, we try to find this balance between asking people to be a part of sponsoring at the same time creating an event where businesses have come to us. And uh, our, 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 our cash sponsorships this year for Ailes are already at $19,000, uh, which is by far, uh, you know, our high last year was, was last year, and that was 16000 So just want to say thanks. We recognize that uh, as, as local businesses and organizations and leaders, uh, someone calls you every day and makes an ask every day for a, you know, a basket or something for a silent auction and so that you're prioritizing our ability to serve Helen that way. And it's just really encouraging. So thank you for all the buy-in around here and, and your participation within it. If you came this morning intending to give, we'll give you a, a, a chance to do that in just a second. And if you didn't, just let the bucket pass right on by. And then also, before I jump off, uh, we've been in this series called Listening Therapy. And in fact, if you've not been with us before or even in the last few weeks, you're, you're catching us at the end of the movie, which is totally okay. It's a self-contained morning. But it is to say there's some context. I I've, in somewhat self-absorbed fashion, I think, I, what, I've been, what this series has kind of come from, a lot of this stuff that I've been learning over the last couple of years in my continuing ed at Portland Seminary, and so this morning, and many of you already knew this because we talked about it last week, but this morning you're going you're gonna to hear from Lynn Holt, who is one of the instructors, really the kind of pioneering instructor of all of this spiritual direction emphasis at Portland Seminary, which is a part of that seminary's heritage because they're 
a, a Quaker school historically, right? So Lynn is, comes from a Quaker tradition and spiritual direction very much complements the, the way they experience God. And so this morning you're going to get to hear from Lynn uh, once we work through offering and then go through the last installment of the listening therapy drama. So if you came intending to give, you can do so now. If you would like to engage further with Narrate Church, you can find contact information online, www.narratechurch.org. We would love to hear from you.